what was the talk title that we came up with? The body is the mind. The body is the mind. Pretty obvious that that's not exactly true. But it is not exactly true in, in relative situation of this and that, up and down, back and forth. All of the relative truths that we, basically the whole world runs on relative truth. And, and works, uh, as we know, uh, extremely terrible because of greed, passion, aggression, ignorance, warfare, right and wrong. They're right. We're, we're right, but they're, well, look what they're doing. We're really doing a good job. They're doing not such a good job. Separating uh, body-mind complex uh, into various parts, not to mention just right and wrong. I'm right, they're wrong, or I'm so wrong, I'm never going to be right, and those things. So when I say body-mind, what did I say? The body is the mind. Thanks. What she said, the body is the mind. The body, the body is the mind. So not completely, but it's much, much closer than we think when we're wound up in our passion, aggression, ignorance, wanting this, not wanting that, fighting with our world, agreeing with our world can be just as difficult, all being on the same page kind of thing. Not always a particularly good page to be on. I'm going to use a little kind of a, kind of a dumb example, but I, I want to help you move in that direction so you can use the kind of uh, uh, example that I'm going to give to you so that you can kind of do this on your own and notice that there's a lot of area that could be explored as a, you could say, as a contemplation, meditation, but also contemplating this particular situation. So if I, I move my hand up, I'm, I'm doing that with, with my hand, of course, but I'm doing that with my mind or as my mind. It's an expression of my mind. It's an expression as this is an expression. It's an expression. So the mind, what we think of, uh, say, as consciousness and an expression of that. Separated, but not, not exactly separated. It's unlikely for this to happen without mind. Although the mind could think of that or be aware of that and not do it. So the frequency, you could say, of the body situation and the frequency uh, of the mind are kind of running on different uh, frequencies might be a good way of talking about it. But the same kind of movement that is moving my hand in the air with thinking about I'm going to move my hand in the air, simply put. A very similar kind of thing happens when I say, I'm going to uh, think of the letter in the alphabet we call Z. I'm seeing that right now. It's actually a, it's actually a Baskerville, which is a typeface. No, it wasn't Baskerville. It's Roman. It's a Roman. What was that called? You know that letter? You can see what I'm getting at. Perhaps I'm just saying we're actually... That, that is actually happening. There is a kind of body, a kind of hand called a Z is arising in the mind. So it's a very, there's, a very, there's, there's a lot more similarity there than there is some kind of differentiation. If there is a lot of differentiation, this is how do we go, go to war with our mind. This is why when negative feelings come up, instead of just being generous, being very kind to the mind stream, finally, for once, for twice, for thrice, being just received, just received, give it your attention, just receive. You can see this, put this down, you can put it back up, and we can present our mind stream with the letter of the alphabet we call Z or A or any letter. We can, pre we can present ourselves with that. We can have that kind of a movement in the mind. It's very similar. So separated, yes, the separation we tend to 
look at the separation and then we tend to tug on that and pull on that and try to get control to get the illusion that we're controlling something. We try to control our mind. You know, you can't control your mind and you wouldn't be here. You'd be somewhere controlling your mind. And there are techniques, strategies, uh, protocols for, you could say, controlling the mind or at least getting the illusion that you've got things under control. You are in control. If you if you attach yourself to uh, opinions, ideas, beliefs about certain things, uh, and you have a lot of other people around you reinforcing the same thing, a community of what believers, true believers, then there there's some kind of a support there for that. We we agree. We're we all believe believe this is true, and we believe that everyone else is uh, believing your own thing or thinking your own thing. So the way we came up with this talk title is we all got into a huddle. Is that a huddle? It was a huddle, except one of the huddlees. That was that appropriate word, huddlee. One of the huddlees has a broken wing, you know, a foot or a sore foot. So, so she couldn't actually join. So we had to go where she was. Sometimes you just have to go where people are rather than wait for them to come to you. So I'm, I'm very interested in talking about this in a way that can help you see, help you at least work with your conceptual mind that can tell you it wants to shrink down. Uh, the conceptual mind is like shrink wrap. As soon as it finds a thing, it wants to get it, hold on to it. This is it. That's it. Now I got it. Now, oh, oh that's over. Now I know what I should do, what I shouldn't do. Might be better off to, as I sometimes say, don't do anything else you have to. Might be better to just allow things to come and go. Uh, allow something to move or not move without interfering particularly. But when you do that, you can also, you notice there's different levels of working with the mind where you can see where something shows up that you want, say, the letter Z, or you want to raise your hand, but you don't. You want to think about a certain thing, the letter Z, but you don't. There's an there's a, a area in there that is not about conclusion. It's not about uh, um, accomplishing something that, that, that is respectful of the space in which things occur. This comes up in this space, and the letter Z comes up in what we call the mind space. If you do a lot of sitting meditation, this area called the mind space or, or the, the mind stream or that area in which thoughts come and go, either by uh, creating them, thinking them, or they just come wandering in the door like uh, random visitors. Yes. Sugar Bowling. Um, it seems like for me in, in a dream, that Z space and the hand space aren't so different, but when I'm awake, they seem a lot more different. Yeah. Um, what is it about this body-mind situation that separates that? I think it's the intensity of the physical. This presents as extremely different than what's happening in your mind. But when you're sleeping, the body, this physical situation, this particular realm is uh, is uh, is closed down, not shut down. But is and so then the body uh, situation shows up in the mind stream. So then we have a dream body, and so that operates in that area. Go ahead. Is it possible to see this situation um, being awake, not not dreaming, without the, the heavy distinction between the body and the mind? Yes. So uh, the other way of saying it is the distinction might be there, but we know it's not true. So the, the differentiation between the thought process and the hand moving or the, the letter Z arising, uh, I'm visual, so I would say that. You could say some kind of a concept or you could use some kind of structure that isn't particularly visual. Don't you? Junchu Bowing, not being able to move around much for the last week or so. Feels like my mind has um, gotten foggy or it's kind of shut down or the awareness yeah. has shut down. Can I do anything to open up that awareness? Are you in pain? Somewhat. Are you taking drugs to cover it up? Not much. But some. 
you should don't have, I don't have to know what that is because that's your experience. But that if you consider that, might be some of that going on. So, what's the question again? When it looks like the mind has shut down along with the body being compromised, is there is there any way to open up that awareness? I wouldn't do anything with it, but that's that's a very good example of of the of the uh, body mind situation are, are separated but are fundamentally not separate what happens um in the mind is shows up in the body in some way what happens in the body shows up in the mind in some way but there, there's quite often an argument between that that we have to we have to somehow control things. It sounds like what you are saying with the body is the mind is different from a phrase like the body informs the mind. What is the difference there? It, it looks like it can go back and forth. There are two aspects of the same thing. So they're fundamentally uh, not separate from each other. They're just separated. And most most in the materialistic world, we're always good because we want control. We want to get some things and stop other things. We tend to separate things into, I mean, everything from political parties to, to um, sexual, not only biological differences in sexuality, but just ideas about of what we want in terms of our sexual identity. Even that is, especially lately, the cultural situation is more, uh, more supportive of someone going in different directions in that way. Oolong. Oolong Valley. Um, you've said in the past, um, the body does not lie. And similarly, um, I've heard listen to the body. So my question is, when we endure pain, or perhaps even cause unnecessary pain, is that going against the true nature of the body? I don't know if you can come up with a like a protocol or saying if you're doing this and that, then you're going against something. I think it is so very complicated. And it's uh, not about right and wrong, going against or not going against. It's just being able to be with whatever is uh, occurring. When I say be with it, uh, it's not so much as something you do. It's just something you, it's more like something you don't do. You just don't cover up what is happening for something else. Anything that occurs is dependently risen. So whatever happens in your life uh, is is not uh is not without some kind of some uh, force or activity behind it that's causing that. There's traditional teachings of Buddhism to say, when this happens, that occurs. When that happens, this happens. It's like when the example I used recently was uh, when the, you use this one, when, when this, this uh, clacker holds still and this one moves, the third thing, these are two, the third thing happens, which is sound kind of, pretty obvious, of course. What's so interesting about that is that it's, it's seeing that this and that come together and something else happens or, or the illusion of something else happens. And this is what Dogen Zenji is addressing when he said, says firewood does not become ash. Of course, it, of course it does. But from the, what he's pointing at is endeavoring to help each of us perhaps even help himself see that this, the, the speculation, the assumption, the attachment to occurrence, the attachment to this causing that causes us to, draws us in with our body-mind complex as some kind of a, 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 a living being that is uh, in a particular realm of the, say the six realms or the three realms or whatever dynamic you want to use, and that is propelled by wanting something else. And then that and that's uh, uh, shows up as the, the three poisons: uh, passion, grasping, aggression, getting rid of something, and ignorance or shutting down. So it's a matter of sitting down, 
training our mind to see clearly what's coming and going. And then when we interact in our, what we call post-meditation or everyday life to begin to see how that, that pushing and pulling situation is happening in our lives. And quite often it can show up as uh, being kind of embarrassing because we, we hadn't noticed how, how uh, kind of uh, biased we are about so many things about other people not really giving someone the benefit of the doubt. As soon as they act this way, do this, say this, say that, we we come on, we come into their, not not onto them personally, you may not say anything, you might not hook up your, your speech to that, but you might actually feel your objection to that. And what's being said here is that's, that is a body-mind, uh, not being separate. And if you, if you don't do anything with that, then, then the, the actual separation of body and the actual separation of that from mind becomes more apparent. And it's, it's uh, a lot less than what was previously assumed by the self-centered mind, which thinks, which basically, and you can uh, say, well, I don't agree with this if you'd like to, or you can disagree with whatever you would like to do, but it is, um, it looks like we can think one thing and do something else. But look closely at that. that. Next time you're doing something that you do every day, you know, like maybe brush your teeth or comb your hair if you have some, you know, or maybe go for a walk or put on your shoes, something that's very conventional. And look at the differentiation between what is happening in your apparent physical situation and what's happening in your mind stream. And see what is the So rather than have me, uh, some kind of philosopher or psychologist, explain it, or some kind of scholar explained it in terms of the Buddha's Dharma. I'm saying, be, be aware of this. Bring your awareness into that area where things, where the whole situation is very, very unstable. And we tend to stabilize any situation, whether it's in the mind and whether we're identifying it as depression. That's that's a that's a we stabilize the negativity arising in the mind, which is dependently arisen uh, by giving it a name, calling it something that stabilizes it so that it, it gets more some, maybe not totally, but some kind of duration, some kind of extended. Uh, we just extend our subscription to that. What do you mean by it's unstable? Did I say that? What was I referring to? Ah, you're just like me. You don't remember. <laughs> so, instability is just if you begin to look at the mind without without pushing it without pulling it and without shutting down without doing nothing with it what would you just receive whatever's happening in the mind stream uh, from the point of view of that which is observing you could say the witness quality observes instability it observes the chaos of the mind that, that it's that it's has a uh, has a certain kind of pattern and that pattern uh, from a particular perspective perspective makes some sense. But from another perspective, is crazy, or or is or is uh, uh, just adds to the confusion because of the grasping aspect, the rejecting aspect, that are, are unseen when we're just looking at just the singularity of this movement based on what we want, based on what we don't want, and based on what we'd like to stop looking at. Then it looks reasonable. This is why ego tends to persist and tends to get fueled by. Uh, the polarities. It's something that you can't really think your way out of that squirrel cage. You can't you can't think your way out of it. You can th you can th you can use thought patterns to understand how it functions, but in order to to uh, be free of that the cage of your afflictions, as it has been said by Nagarjuna, uh, we have to see that it's unreal, and that's difficult because that looks so damn real. This comes up. Out here and then in the mind stream, I can create a Z. It, it looks real. It looks like we can do something with this. Chisho. Chisho Bhai, <clears throat> does the ego have any preference? Does it prefer to be more with the body or with the mind? But what does it associate itself more with, if at all it does, Bhai? Again, that's a good question, but I think it de it's so dependent. It's dependent on the style. I mean, there's so many different styles. In the Tibetan tradition, they break it down into, what, five different Buddha families. But that's 
that gives us the uh, kind of the illusion that there's only five. They're extended, even even astrological astrological configurations, which have some relative truth to that. If you looked into it, it has has some truth to it. The Enneagram has some truth to it. Uh, and all the other uh, shenanigans that have been going on in the area, sometimes called the occult or other kinds of mysticism and so on. So there's always some kind of truth happening there. But the kind of uh, truth that the Buddha's Dharma is presenting is you need to do this. And you can use some of these structures to, to support you when you sit down and return to Buddha, return to Buddha, return to the awakened one, return to that. It takes a lot of time. Jason Bowing. Jason. Is physical pain an illusion? I think it's illusory uh, in, the, in the sense that it's uh, it's dependently arisen, so it's dependent on causes and conditions. So to that extent, it's uh, it doesn't last. It might persist for a while. I'm sure you've had some experience with, with that, and I certainly have had quite a bit of it. It's uh, how do you describe pain? Not fun. How's that? It's not fun, but it just like it's it has a similarity in in the 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 nerve endings of the body are you know as as we say is I mean it's so I mean it hurts. It's an actual nerve ending on your fingertip or in your uh, in your spine or in your or in your mind. People who have uh, uh, migraines, you, you can say all day that's just an illusion i'm not don't intend to do that at all i feel that that's dependently arisen and i feel that you can get into the dependently arisen area of that if you have some skill and have some understanding about what you're dealing with and not going in there with the idea of controlling it you have to meet it where it's at if you're going to work with energy at all uh sometimes the images are you talked uh, about they're using the ideas of uh, tantra or transmuting energy or a shaman uh, shamanistic approach to working with en energy or alchemism so the other word i was looking for and it's not that that's going to be a successful story necessarily but you could use when you uh, just to go a little further what, what it seems like you're asking about you could go a little further into that and when you are in extreme pain you could instead of always medicating or, or meditating for that matter, trying to stop it or get rid of it or change its course. You could spend a little bit of time, uh, you know, going into the texture of that, that pain, whether it's, a, you know, pain in your back, pain in your head, spend some time actually going into there. That will not feel good. You won't necessarily feel like this uh, Vasco da Gama or some kind of great explorer. I mean, it's not going to be easy. There won't be much reward there. But the reward situation isn't so much what we're looking for. We're trying to address this with awareness to see what is this fundamentally. And then, you know, you can do some of that and then go uh, take some drugs. I mean, go do whatever could relieve it. I'm not saying don't ever do that and somehow torture yourself. But you could spend some time going into that with some del deliberation. Any kind of suffering, any suffering, any distress spend some time uh, with uh, uh, the exercise that you've been doing, we call training the mind or stretching the awareness to receive what this is rather than constantly comment on it and judge it or push it or pull it or try to be a better, more aware person. Yeah, so that's that's a very interesting thing is because as someone who does um, live with a lot of pain and discomfort, I mean, frankly, I'd probably never meditate if, if I just decided I wouldn't do meditation until I'm free of it. So what I've noticed is, is that when I, the longer that I do meditate and I just try to let it just, just see it as it, as, as it shoots and it kind of, it'll flare up and it'll go away. It'll like the, 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 the intensity of it, but the, by the, the longer I'm meditating, the intensity seems to go away. And I don't know if that's just because I'm being still and the nerve endings are getting dead or if there's something else happening there. And I, that's why I asked the question because I find it interesting. Um, and I, I'm, I don't know if there's a question there. It's just curious, curiosity about what that is. I have a response. Okay, thank you. There's, yeah, the response is, no, do a little bit. But the other part of it is 
insofar as you can receive what's there, but don't torture yourself with it and don't particularly look for uh, the kind of result that that uh, uh, a kind of relative result. You might have a result, but it might show up in a way that uh, you never expected if you're not always searching in the wrong place uh, for the right thing. Uh, you, you have the right, you have an understanding, but you're looking somewhere else for it. So don't don't particularly search, just observe what moves. It seems such a simple thing. And we are all being provided with our mind, our life stream, our mind stream, our thought process from beginning of time. We've all been here forever. Here we are again. We come back and forth, back and forth. Shokalan. Yes, go ahead. When somebody does have physical pain that they experience, yes. what is the distinction between pain and suffering? So the classical, I mean, I think there's a lot of variables here, but the classical uh, situation is uh, 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 the Buddha's uh, determination about it was a uh, uh, life of suffering. And the three kinds of suffering are the pain of pain or the, the pain of a migraine headache or the pain of, of, uh, of, of dying or the pain of, uh, of losing, uh, intense pain of losing uh, someone that's close to you or, or for that matter, losing a job or being, uh, being afraid. That kind of pain that, that's dependently arisen. It just comes out of the dependent situation and is a, uh, can be anything from the physical nerve endings to the so-called mental uh, sensitivity that's happening uh, in uh, in deeper areas of consciousness other than just fingertips. Or uh, And so the pain of pain and then the pain of alternation, which is you're not experiencing pain, everything's fine, you feel very good, but what you are enjoying, you're concerned is going to leave. It's like a simple one there is fear of death. And what does fear and death have to do with that? You think you are your body. And it's not that you aren't your body, but it's just like just like you're not. If you have a thought right now about raspberries, which, of course, you're having, because I just said that word. That's a good example of dependent origination. I'm, I'm right in your mind. I just created something in your mind. Now, you might say, no, I didn't think about it. I thought about bananas. I protected myself against the mind control that Sogazan's trying to pull on everybody. So whatever arises, just observe. And that way, the pain of alternation, uh, you're, not, you're not projecting some kind of imaginary uh, scenario 10 days from now or a year or 10 years from now that where you're, you're going to lose the enjoyment you're having in the present moment. So, so what happens there is that there's kind of an imputed uh, distress because, my gosh, what's going to happen next? I don't know. So there's a fear of, you could say, of the future the fewer fear of otherness when actually all there is is this. And so, and then the, the last of the three kinds, there's different ways this is described uh, called the pain of the composite or the pain of uh, a conditioned existence, which just is once this singularity of my personal pain uh, has been dealt with and I'm able to work with that, then the sensitivity begins to, you could say, goes beyond the physical me, me, me feeling in, a, you know, in a June 21st, uh, 2023 uh, on uh, Easter Island, you know, as a, a man, a woman, a child, then that situation, uh, it, it doesn't have any location. It has a, it seems to, but it doesn't have a location. So we give it one, we give it one because not having any reference point is very difficult. And so when one begins to open up to that kind of vastness, then the, the suffering of the world starts to flood. And this doesn't mean it's so overwhelming that you can't stand up, but you may have trouble. Depends, depends on what kind of mind training you've been working with. You may, you may uh, go the first two, which everybody experiences the pain of pain and the pain of alternation. But uh, quite often the pain of the composite is shut out because we're too busy with our own personal situation. This doesn't mean that having uh, uh, sympathy for others who are in pain, that's not the pain of the composite. That's sympathy for others. Having, you know, it's a valid thing. You, you see someone who's not doing so well and you're doing pretty good. Then you think, oh, that's terrible. Look, what's, look what they're going through. It's not incorrect. It's just uh, uh, incomplete in that it's, it's a partial seeing of it. 
the fundamental seeing of suffering is seeing that there are uh, two things. One is suffering is all pervasive and it is the distress, that kind of distress. And uh, it is also, if you go deeper in that, it is without a self. That's one of the, those are the two of the three marks of existence, suffering and no self. And the other one, of course, as you probably remember, is impermanence. Nothing lasts. To see those three as they actually are is, uh, is to transcend everything. I can't promise you anything because I don't know much. And you don't sign a contract with me. If you're wearing one of these, you signed a contract with the Buddha. I'm just one of his homies. John Bowing? Yes, John. <clears throat> what is the uh, relationship between dependent origination, if there is one, and the appearance of, say, uh, body, or the appearance of, say, mind, raspberries? Okay, so what is the difference? I'm going to make sure I have clear what you're asking. What is the difference between dependent origination, which is a concept about the nature of what's happening around us, and, and what was the other one, the raspberries? The, uh, the well, actually the relationship, I, I'm, I'm not sure about difference, but I use the word relationship, maybe difference is a better word. But what's the relationship between dependent origination and what appears as uh, solid, so hand, you held up yep. your hand, right? Hand, yeah. or raspberries, or the thought, you know, something that you can't see, but is in mind. Yes. Right? Which is an appearance. It's just a, the nature of the appearance is different than the appearance of a hand. So what's the relationship between dependent origination and those two aspects of what appears to be both real and separate? So relatively, uh, relatively, it's just as you described it. It's a relative a situation that's happening that we we uh, shuffle the cards in our mind and everyone's doing this a little bit differently but there's a similarity that that concludes that there's something here and something's not over here so the form and emptiness that is still confusing we don't see that they're not separate from each other so we're still doing that and then the then the the answer i would get that's a relative answer but the ultimate answer is there's no difference no difference yeah, so I guess my question is sort of a clever way or not so clever way of uh, of asking. I thought it was pretty clever. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but of asking what you just expressed, which is the relationship between dependent origination and emptiness. Dependent origination is a fancy way of saying there isn't anything. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You agree with me? Oh, I don't agree with anything you say, but... Uh, yeah. Well, you better not, because you're in big trouble if you do. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for the question, John. You're welcome. Thank you. A question from Jethro in the UK. Jethro. Sometimes in meditation, all perception of the body ceases. In other traditions, this might be ascribed to a jnana. What is the significance, if any, of this disappearance in Zen? Well, um, I don't know how other Zen teachers would say, uh, but I would say it's just a, it's just dependent origination showing up in different ways. It's not it's the ego mind, the self centered mind, the grasping mind, the 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 the, the uh, materialistic mind will make something up everything in order to show some kind of either progress or some kind of oh I'm backsliding. It needs some kind of positionality. Samadhi or, or uh, complete wisdom, uh, there, there's, there's nothing happening. There's no one there. There isn't anything going on. It is an illusion. This is an illusion. Ha ha. And it's a really intense, powerful, rigid, uh, abrasive illusion. But it's unreal. I'm recommending if you have, if I have your ear, which I have, uh, is this Ardua? 
Ardua and uh, Mandarin, Ardua. Is that here? <laughs> I'm trying to see who's going to smile. Let's see, Joyce smiled, but she's probably smiling because you think that's the wrong pronunciation. Yeah, that's huh? Ardua. Perfect. That's Ardua. Ears. Who said that? You home by. Oh, I should have known you would catch that. Ears. Yeah. And what's the what's this? Visa? Yes. Ah. We're doing good. If she says we're doing good, <laughs> we're doing good. So. So the idea there is to is to uh, is to watch the form as it generates, as it arises as a particular position and then watch the form as it arises, and there's no position. But look, they look the same, they sound the same. Those, those sounds like I'm describing two identical things. No, what's missing? And is it actually missing, or was it never there in the first place? There is no self in the skandhas, form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness. There's nobody there. The illusion, once you, when you see there's no one there, then the illusion of that being gets powerful. Because it's because it's no longer functioning out of right and wrong, up and down, even life and death. It doesn't even need to be alive. It's transcended this world without ever leaving it. More questions are good in any area. Yes, Junchu. A question from Spool String. Spool String. Let me think about that for a minute. Spool String. Okay, go ahead. When I have a question, why am I asking that? Because you really like me. And you want to support me. And you know that if I don't get questions, I dissolve. How's that work? Didn't expect that response. Didn't <laughs> you bowing? Can we look at the body to see aspects of the mind that are... Um, unavailable or not apparent that's yeah that's that might be the only way we can do it there's some some teachings in mindfulness of body the four foundations of mindfulness i don't particularly teach that because i don't like to split things up too much i'd rather have you sit down and you do that on your own without even knowing particularly what you're doing foundation four foundation practices mindfulness of body mindfulness of livelihood mindfulness of uh, whatever the other two are I don't teach them, so I don't remember them. I, I don't, even though I studied that, I often say I don't, I, I don't teach out of what I know or what I remember, because I don't remember much. I teach, out, I, I teach out of what I see. I'm looking at it. If you ask me a question, then I, I just like with John's question, John has uh, been practicing for a couple centuries, I think, <laughs> and I've always been panicked. I said, my God, what if John asked me a question? What will I say? So, but he did, and I, I think I pulled through, didn't I? Is it okay? Okay. Yeah, so I'm not that scared of you. You uh, definitely pulled through. What? You definitely pulled through. Oh, phew. No I'm question. Sorry. Oh, good, good. He's just saying that because he knows how sensible I am. So, <laughs> it's... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're too much. I know. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I used to be too little. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm too fat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. So, further questions? Yes. Don. Um, sometimes when we're in the physical presence of, of a person or a particular person, it seems they can have a tangible effect yes. on our body and our mind, oh, absolutely. either positive or negative. Oh, I so totally hear you. Yes. What is occurring? No, you're not separate from anything. You're not separate from anything. And that's, that's uh, the downside of that is uh, it can be scary. That's why the teaching person can be very scary. If they, if they are realized and they see what this is, then they're going to function as reality. It's not some high flute and oh, look, this, this person's all uh, realistic or something. Or, but but and the same thing is true with someone who is completely turned in upon themselves and is very aggressive and very, very um, irritated and very uh, and covering it up with smiles. 
being around that person, something is off. So sometimes, sometimes we, uh, instead of opening to that and seeing what it is and not being particularly threatened by it, instead we we want to we want to close down because it's scary and it doesn't feel good. And, and that person is uh, we want to get away from that person, or we want to fight with them. We might want to accuse them of something. I mean, you can come up with hundreds of different ways. Just read Stephen King. I mean, he's got a billion of them. Different ways of jacking around the whole situation, the in, internal kind of monologue, dialogue. Uh, whatever's happening in the mind is always reconstructing and constructing something with the idea of protecting the identity some way or promoting it. Uh, protecting uh, could be aggression, could be uh, ignoring something. It could be, it could be even passion by making up a bunch of ideas about why that's not really threatening. Even though we feel that way, then we'll, we'll come up with, I shouldn't be afraid or, or there's nothing, there's nothing going on here. And it's not that that is, isn't relatively correct. It's just that it's what relatively correct. And it creates more circles. And some people are making a lot of money doing this. Psych, uh, psychoanalysis, psychotherapist. This is not wrong. Don't, don't miss, misunderstand what I'm saying to say we should get rid of all those and everybody should meditate. No, not everybody. Not many people can even do this. It's, it's, it's difficult to do this without a really strong uh, community. Uh, notice I'm putting that first, a strong community, a strong teaching and a strong teacher. Very, very important to have all that. And without that, we, we tend to buy into that that person that we've met that seems to be really friendly, but when I'm around them or when we're around them, it's just like, I don't like this. I don't, I don't like them. I don't want to be around them. This is one of the things that Sangha provides you or me or all of us. And has provided me for close to 50 years, the ability to actually stand next to and be with people that, that were difficult for me to be around, but I just did it anyway. Just, I was just, uh, I don't know if you call it stubborn, it had to do with my teacher. I, this was his Sangha. And uh, I didn't have a choice of getting another sangha. So just do it anyway. And, and over time, through your sitting practice, you'll notice how much of what the negativity is you're actually creating yourself out of uh, that person might be, if you really look deeply, it might be that person really feels very close to you and uh, actually cares about you. But their energy is threatening because their energy is so intimate that it starts to rattle the cage of your afflictions. And suddenly you start to realize that you're in some kind of a prison. And this person, when this person is around you, even if they're smiling, it seems to be difficult. Follow me a little bit. Uh, any further questions on that? Uh, Don Bowing, so does the body operate as a container for that mind energy? No, mind is a container, body's a container. This room is a container. Uh, my hand is a container, container, container. And th there's a container and then there's what's in the container. And what is in the container is also a container of the container, conceptually, if not literally. It's like a duck hatching before it, the egg appears. You've heard of Garudas, haven't you? The Garuda is, uh, yeah, we have Garudas everywhere here on everything. That's a, a image of, of the order of immediate light is a Garuda. The Garuda is, is a mythical or mythological uh, bird that uh, when it hatches from the egg, it's fully grown. And this is a, an image for awakening. If you see what this is, you're awake. You don't need to mature, although you might have to spend 20 or 30 years meditating before you awaken. And that awaken can be in three days or three years. More? Yes, sir. You often have said that no one's pouring a bucket of feelings into us. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like with Don's example, is there a dependent or a not separate texture that we then add that feeling onto? Say more. I'm not following you, but say, say more or say it differently. Say it if you were living in Philadelphia. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you. I think that's helping them. <laughs> Spit it out. Go ahead. What's the question? 
I'd love to help you. Is there something felt from somebody else before we add on to it? I think very, very much so. Sometimes it's a snap, snap. I mean, it's just very quick. But it's, it's not about stopping that. It's about being aware. You hear me say it over and over again. It's about being aware of the movement. Uh, if you if you do anything with it, then it reifies, establishes, and fuels a self-centeredness that's self that's doing that. But if you do nothing with it but observe, then it, then that whatever is happening there, I don't care how threatening, how tragic, how overwhelming it is, it cannot find a being that it can torture. So therefore, the the even the suffering or the challenge or the or the fear is uh, self-existing. It just shows up. It, there's no one there. There's no being. You can't get rid of dependent origination because sure, so it's not important to try to intercept the addition. Nah, don't intercept anything, but see it, be aware of it, be aware, watch what is being added either from here, apparently here or apparently there, and see that there is no the 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 source of that is a, is a, an imputation of the ego mind. I'm thinking thoughts. You're not thinking thoughts. There's no, there is no thinker, and that's the reality of it, and the illusion of somebody's thinking thoughts, somebody's thinking evils. I'm thinking bad. I think I got to stop thinking those thoughts. I can't, I can't keep thinking that way. It's, this is a form. So if there's not someone doing that, is that like saying there's not an addition? Yeah, but as long as you don't conclude there's not an addition, because otherwise we're right back to. Uh, the square root of whatever that number you were thinking about. Did you just wink at me? No. Oh. <laughs> what was that you did? Twitched. <laughs> <laughs> he twitched. I'm safe. He <laughs> didn't wink at me. More? Thank you. Sir. Since you. Since you bowing. Um, he said just a couple of minutes ago that. The body <laughs> is a container and mind is a yeah. container. How is mind a container? It, because it can do anything. It can contain. The body can, contains in a relative way. The mind can contain uh, just in a, because of the very, uh, uh, it looks like a dimension, but it's dimensionless. It doesn't, there's no boundary to it. So it, it can function as a container. It can function as a container for fear, and it can fu function as a as a container for uh, some kind of a accomplishment, or it can function as a container for uh, bodhicitta, the mind of awakening. This is what we're doing as practitioners. We're we're starting with the basis situation as uh, our own uh, um, uh, suffering, ground path fruition. The ground is suffering. The path is training the mind to see clearly and the fruition is seeing it clearly like wisdom how'd i do short as i am you hung short as i am <laughs> <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> go ahead a uh, question from eric wagner in colorado eric wagner yes how should one process the ontological shock that arises when identity starts to register that it is just along for the ride. I wouldn't worry about it. It's just a shock. It nothing lasts. So whatever shows up, uh, it's not gonna, but it will persist if you do anything with it. If you fight with it, push it down, validate it, uh, dismiss it, do anything with it. It just has to be the uh, common example is, is like weather. You might not like a thunderstorm. You might not like uh, high winds, but nobody's causing that unless you want to go out and uh, say global warming is doing that. Well, relatively, probably something to do with all of that. Everybody has a little bit of responsibility, if not complete responsibility for everything. The ability to respond. The, the, no one is to blame. There are no separate beings anywhere. It, it's just one hell of an, an illusion. Did it seem to you guys like I answered this question? I got the, the mudra of Sokokoji Monastery. It goes like this. 
I think it, it can seem to be that way, but whether it actually is or not. Uh, so body, mind are not two different things. They just look different. There, there aren't two different things anywhere. That's realization is to see all the separations as they are, see all of the, all the, all of the fibrinogen in the blood and see that there's, there's, there's nothing separate. It's just this. It just can show up uh, as a clog over here and, and opening, uh, bleeding to death over here. It's just relative truth that is seen. Uh, and, it, and it may show up as passion, aggression, ignorance uh, in, a, in a body mind, in a body complex without even, uh, I mean, even being possibly in deep sleep. But it's not separate. There are different, different um, dynamics to it. There's a lot of difference between uh, just waking up from a deep sleep and flying into a rage because somebody uh, uh, broke one of your windows out. It seems the body knows what to do when it's hungry, it eats, when it gets cut, it heals. Um, and yet we try, I try, we try to control it all the time, you know, starve it when we're hungry, eat too much when we're full. So my question is, there's a wisdom that I feel that's the body that is happening in the body but it's coming out as a separate entity, like I'm treating the body as a separate entity. What would listening to that wisdom be like without separation? Wisdom. Just receive. As long as there's nerve endings and you're a living being, receive. Be very, it doesn't mean that you might not move in a particular direction, but uh, less is better. If you're functioning as a, as a, as a teacher of this particular, this, uh, the Buddha's Dharma, that nothing is separate, everything, nothing comes from its own side as an individual, and you function as a teacher for people who are fighting with that aspect of the mind, thinking they're right and wrong and up and down and war and peace, life and death, then uh, if you in order to help that person fundamentally, you're going to have to relate to where they're at. And everyone is in a different kind of uh, a different combination of uh, causes and conditions. We talked about that earlier. You know, it's like some the, the way that our mind starts to tighten up in certain areas when someone else, that's not that's not particularly an issue at all. It's just might even be surprised that someone's having what depression or someone else is having some kind of spatial anxiety over it, not wanting to be around a lot of people. And then how do we get away from that? We call it uh, an introvert instead of saying it's a mountain hermit. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's all kinds of ways you can, you can work with that. Uh, but fear shows up in so many different ways. Sometimes it shows up as just boisterous, you know, pushy, bullying kind of thing, bullying. We're, we're so terrified of, of, the, of not knowing what this is or who we are. We just start cranking up all kinds of aggression so that because seeing someone else suffer or cringe or run away from us, you know, makes the ego mind. Think about it, just a natural thing. Of course, you're going to feel powerful if everybody's running from you. And, and, and if you if the power and control is important to you, relatively, you can get that for a while. But it comes around the other comes around the other end. Power, control. Shoka. Um, in reference to talking about having difficulty with groups of people, yes. you use the term spatial anxiety yes what is spatial anxiety too much too much space 
too much room. So we fill it up with our ideas, our concepts, our opinions, our beliefs, our Buddha Dharma, our understanding of the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, our understanding of the 59 verses of Atisha's Seven Points of Mind Training. We clog it up with all kinds of stuff about that it's in the space. And so, as I sometimes say, until you see what this is and you function as a teacher, which you're training to do as a monk, and I am endeavoring to help you, you're going to teach out of what you've studied, what you've read. You can't just suddenly start teaching out, out of uh, reality because you're separating yourself from it by buying into this, buying into that, buying and selling, buying and selling, merchandising mentality. You have to go through that. Any, any student of the Buddha's Dharma is going to have to go through that. Some, depending on the teaching, uh, uh, the teacher and the Sangha and the teaching itself to some extent uh, will determine if you're going to be able to uh, see through that, that uh, the, the seduction of power, the seduction of being right. Not easy, the seduction of, of protecting your, your, pri your pride somehow that, so you can't be hurt by anyone, you can't be controlled by anyone. That's specifically an area I'm talking to you directly about because we've talked about it before. You can't be fearless if you're, you can't be fearless if there's anything that's threatening. And you can't be uh, rid of the threat unless you see that there's no one to be threatened. No one is in danger. You're not in danger. You're a spiritual being to use a literal description physical being too but this is temporary you've been here forever or almost that long yes if we're still if we're still able to be scared is there an assumption that we haven't investigated yet no i'm terrified i'm not kidding you i'm, I'm saying when i'm terrified of course it's not overwhelming so i can't even come in here but you can't you're not going to get rid of fear you don't need to Fearlessness isn't getting rid of fear. It's just not being under the auspices of fear. You can, you've got all kinds of room. Your mind is vast. It's, it's not vast in comparison. It's vast without comparison. That's actual extension without time and space. So you're, you're, fear, you're fearless because you're no, you're no longer uh, controlled by fear. Fear can come raging out of the dark corners and it can't find uh, a coward anywhere. Go ahead. What are we doing with our fear that's letting it grab us? Fighting with it or trying to stop it or thinking you shouldn't have it or trying to use uh, passion to manipulate the situation that seems to be causing it. So you can see that isn't really that powerful. I shouldn't be afraid of that. Shouldn't be afraid of that person. Good question. More? When we see that we're covering it up in the way that you just yeah. described, yeah. Um, does is the sitting practice and meditation enough to deal with that? Well, it's certainly something you're going to need. You need to sharpen your your receptors so you can see what's coming, and at the time see what's coming, see the extent to which you keep adding to it. You don't have to stop that and improve. It's not an improvement. This is not therapy. So even though therapy is very powerful and uh, uh, applicable in a lot of different ways, if there's no mind training, but if there's mind training, then let's use the strongest, uh, the most all encompassing re relationship uh, that we have to working with the mind, which is just receive it. You can't, you don't know if you don't, if you start to operate on it based on your pre presumptions, then you're just operating on presumption from pre preconception. You're actually not, not, are not seeing the fundamental nature of it, which is, without a self, without an other. It's fundamentally not separate. It's pratitya samadbhana. Go ahead. Sure, bowing. So the passion um, example you used is how I do that um, to separate um, and kind of logically back out of that. Okay. How do I not fix that? Just what? Just, just do it with the... Um, you don't, you don't have to meddle with it at all. Just notice that you have a tendency to go and, and give yourself a, some slack there. You're, you're not going to be able to relate to 
your uh, pride or with your shame or with your fear of failure, uh, if you keep covering it up or trying not to do that, if you get aggressive with it and try to push it down, if you get uh, passionate with it and try to manipulate it so it isn't quite that bad, or at least I'm trying to do something with it, or if you just shut it out and block it out with whatever, anything from uh, meditation to medication to drugs to any anything to stop the the mind stream from functioning in an open and uh, receptive way. Michael Bowing. Michael. Is fear just seeing, thinking that we are separate and not seeing the separation? Paraphrase yourself. I'm afraid because that person's different from me. Yeah, that's prejudice. But but if we see the prejudice, we, we, was your question finished, uh, Michael? It was kind of finished, yeah. <laughs> well, then I'll kind of answer you. <laughs> <laughs> so, go ahead, go ahead. It's not seeing or just seeing that I'm separated and not seeing the separation. It seems that that's when I'm fearful. What's the question? Is fear just seeing you're separate? So let me... Let me make a statement about it. Fear is is a, a feeling you have that comes up if there's uh, if you feel someone or something is threatened. That being said, that once we begin to see through that there's no one who's who is afraid because uh, fear is dependently arisen, uh, it might still keep uh, coming up like like weather that was caused three months ago, thirty years ago, three three lifetimes ago. So it can still come and go. This is why you can't, when I say you can't, I don't know, maybe you can, I could be wrong about this, but the way it looks, you can't just correct the whole thing because if you try to correct it, it's based on just this time, this lifetime and what you've experienced in the last 30 years or whatever. And okay, you're not going to buy into that anymore. You're going to see through it and you're going to somehow liberate yourself. But you have the, the liberation has to be seeing that there is, it's everything independently risen. There's no self and that this form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness does not add up to a, a being. This doesn't mean that I can't move my hand and talk. And uh, But everything I say comes out of dependent origination. The, the words themselves. But the, the understanding is uh, uh, comes out of uh, seeing what this is. I don't need to call it wisdom. I don't call it anything. What I say is I see it. I teach out of what I see. If you're if you're interested, or if that if that dynamic shows up uh, in a way that seems to be helpful, then I'm all about helping, but not about convincing of anything. Is is um, seeing separation, seeing dependent origination? So not exactly, because we, we see the separations, which are, uh, which are a, a way of looking at the situation that things are not separate, but they're separated. So a dependent origination is to, see, is, is to begin to see that everything you look at is not something else. And it gets its, its appearance of being something else through, uh, uh, through the, the energy of... Uh, of hope and fear or of passion, aggression, and ignorance, and all the other uh, descriptions of what uh, the various acrobatics that consciousness can do in order to protect an imaginary being who can win or lose, who, who can be hopeful or fearful. Is everybody ready to do something else? I have an analog watch. I tried to figure out a way to hook a, what do they call those, hourglasses onto my wrist, but... <laughs> It doesn't seem to, if somebody invents an hourglass that is a wristwatch, 
you could probably sell that on Amazon. And you, I know I'd buy one. I pretty much believe everything. One last question, if there's any, any out there, just in case there's something you wanna hear me say, I don't have no idea about. <laughs> okay, we dedicate the map. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajnaparamita. If you value the teachings of Sokozan, and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.